Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Here we are. We're at the Sincast. This is basically our second go-through on this, even though we have, you know, some other stuff that we did earlier that's going to appear later in this in this podcast we're going to talk about the force awakens but also this week alan rickman and david bowie died so we're going to be talking about that um and uh you know some of our favorite things about those two two people um i am chris atkinson uh joined by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott and by uh music video sins writer barrett share we are all doing this on the internet today yeah and hopefully this will sound uh, pleasing to your ears. Um, two of even us though, are in closets. Yes, two of us <laughs> are in closets. Um, so uh, a varying yeah, size. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a varying size. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, let's get right into it. Let's talk about. Um, I guess let's let's go into David Bowie first. He was the first one, and that was a yeah. huge thing that was all over the. Uh, the internet, how many people were affected by David Bowie, and I'll I'll just turn the floor over to our music video sins guy. About you know, it's Bowie, depress- it's it's so depressing. Uh, not that like because he was still doing good work. This Black Star album that just came out, and the the Lazarus track, and the music video that came with it is creepy as hell, uh, but it's brilliant. And you go back and you look at because he's not one of those that like a Michael Jackson or a James Brown or a Prince or something like that, or a Madonna or something that's, you know, always in the popular consciousness because he doesn't do a lot of media or didn't do a lot of media. Uh, but he, it was just absolutely earth shaking. The, the impact that he had on this, speaking of Prince, he basically set the stage for Prince, uh, in his entire career, the being able to change on the spot, being the androgynous character and everything, and being able to do any sort of style of music. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty rough. He really ran the gamut of uh, genres, uh, even within songs. I've been listening to a lot of his earlier stuff, and you know he'll go from you know blues or just straight up rock and roll or acoustic folk or something like that to uh, to some sort of you know soul music just in the middle, just changing on a dime. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing uh, the influence that he had, and then of course the the movie career too. <laughs> Right, yeah, right. in fact, that's, I mean, I was, I didn't get in on his music uh, until, you know, much later in my life. Um, and I, I guess I know him first as an actor, like from Labyrinth. And yeah, I think most recently and memorably for me was The Prestige, where he plays Tesla. And yeah, uh, it's such a great film. That may be why I wait that performance more, but it's the most natural I think he ever felt to me in a role um, because Tesla was probably a little bit David Bowie, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I didn't even know that was David Bowie when I first watched the prestige. He's so completely like, you know, it is just a completely different looking person in that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're used to Bowie being, I mean, I don't, <laughs> whenever you think of Bowie, you think of like, you know, the sixties and the seventies and everything and the sure. crazy makeup and everything. Um, or Gareth from Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, my, I think my first real, um, I, as far as music is concerned for David Bowie, this sort of ties movies and music together, um, is uh, the the credit sequence of Seven um, plays the Heart's Filthy Lesson, which is um, mm-hmm. sort of him being an industrial Nine Inch Nails type of uh, musician. And uh, that's such a... Uh, just that song is is haunting, especially considering what you've just seen <laughs> at the end of Seven and everything, um, uh, and the way the credits are rolling, you know, up, you know, upside down, basically from credit wait the way credits are and everything. The song is perfect. Uh, that was a that. perfect. No, that was a great uh, era of Bowie that people actually are underrating. Uh, right around that mid to late '90s uh, area. Yeah, uh, he he released an album called Earthling, which is one of my favorite David Bowie records out there. And strangely enough, this is another movie tie-in that I noticed. Uh, he's got one of my favorite songs on there called "I'm Afraid of Americans," he has, and uh, it's one of his first collaborations with Trent Reznor. 
And the music video actually has him being chased by Trent Reznor, both of them <laughs> with like unfortunate like vaginal facial hair. It, it, it's hard to explain. <laughs> and, uh, you just got to watch it. They have like a Brazilian, both of them. Wanna... But uh, but I was looking at I, I'm Afraid of Americans, and you know it's got this wonderful you know industrial beat from from Trent Reznor and everything. And apparently, a rough version of this, you guys maybe have already noticed this, uh, called I'm Afraid of the Animals, was featured in Showgirls. No, I didn't have any idea about this, no. Yeah, it, it ran at some point in either the soundtrack or in the movie. I haven't gone back to to uh, to listen to, you know, sit through that bullshit just to, you know, figure out where the David Bowie song is. But yeah, now that's, that's such a, that Earthling album is so amazing. Uh, there's a song on there called Little Wonder that got very little radio play in America. Uh, but that's one of those ones that goes completely from electronic uh nervousness and anxiety into this big sweeping epic of huge guitars and you know the Reznor sound of of uh, the industrial beats and things like that it's just amazing well I and like the song and, he did with Queen yeah no, under, under pressure, pressure. <laughs> yeah yeah well Sorry, and I'm, a, I'm fairly ignorant when it comes to boy music I apologize uh and and I and, and I and I'm you know I know mostly the the big stuff you know as well the space oddity and all that and you know but the, the under pressure um is uh is really cool and you think about I've I've read stories about that how he and uh Freddie Mercury had to basically record that separately from each other on different coasts uh because yeah. they weren't really getting along on there and uh that the just the story of under pressure is as fun as the song is itself so um what what else would you say about uh bowie barrett do you have any other like um thoughts on some some songs um especially since jeremy and i are are basically you know um we just know the popular stuff so well i'll um, tell you what this this black star the the last thing that he did uh, I was looking online, and apparently, he was he was gearing up to do another album. Apparently, he knew that he was he was terminal and pretty close to the end. And uh, the the Black Star stuff, he he recruited this all star cast of experimental jazz musicians and everything, and they were just absolutely off the wall with this stuff. Visually, if you look at the Black Star video, which is about like ten eleven minutes or something like that, it's just all over the place. It's creepy. It's it's just uh, visually stimulating it's it's just very odd uh which is kind of the best the best bowie i guess uh but then the the track lazarus on there where he literally is laying on his deathbed and rising up and everything and uh talking about how he's in heaven looking down so yeah it, it, it's definitely his um uh, his kind of sign-off note but it still is it, it almost as good as anything that he's ever done um it's you guys ever listen to Warren Zevon? <laughs> Lawyers, guns, and money, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Zevon was a big. Uh, David Letterman was a big fan of Warren Zevon. Had him on all the time, uh, anytime he could, because he was one of these counterculture guys. But Warren Zevon, he knew he was dying of some sort of cancer. I can't remember what it was, but he wrote this dying this this death note basically called "Keep Me in Your Heart for a While," and it's just this heart wrenching ballad of just absolute you know, uh, hope for the future and hope for his family and, and, you know, go, just keep me in your heart for a while. Just to, you know, make sure that, that you remember me. And that's the type of thing that Bowie did on this. And both of them are just absolutely poignant. The, the last thing I'll say about this, they, uh, uh, Zevon was on Letterman, I think very close to when he died a couple weeks or something like that. And he absolutely moved everybody to tears at, at the, at the end of that performance. So that kind of stuff always like gives me, chills you know and this um and this bowie song that came out uh broke the adele record on the music video views i think uh as far as like views in a day or something like that yeah yeah it's um, it's crazy yeah it's crazy it's really really well done and the music is just absolutely that's one of an example of him just moving from genre to genre within the same song which very few people you know can pull off or bands can pull off yeah well, and then uh, just uh, what a couple of days later, Alan Rickman dies. That was something that came out of nowhere. I didn't yeah. expect it um, at all. Um, Alan Rickman is a guy who I don't think has ever had a bad performance, really. 
Um, he's just one of those actors. The only one, and this is one I was thinking over as I was looking at his filmography and everything. The only one that I'm, I'm kind of bothered by is his sheriff of Nottingham and Robin hood. Uh, just because really? it seemed like, eh, it just seemed like they just kind of were throwing him in because he was Hans Gruber and you know, he's that's, that's his shtick and, and they had, they throw, and it's really not him. It's, it's more of the movie itself. I mean, there's like a scene where he rapes Maid Marion and all this other type of stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just not a, it's not one of those, it's not a, I mean, I don't know. Some people might think that's his best performance, but it, it might be just me, the movie itself. Um, the movie's okay. It's just that that particular performance is probably the only one that stands out as, yeah, I wish he hadn't have done that. You know, I, I still think it's an iconic performance though. I know I still hear people quote lines of his from that movie. And I agree with you. I think it's maybe my least favorite of his roles, but I still hear that the spoon is dull and it'll hurt more line you know, <laughs> on a regular basis. Right. And that's what I think I love about the guy is that he, he, had iconic performances in like four decades, right? Like starting with, you know, Die Hard and, and even I think Prince of Thieves. And then he's got Galaxy Quest and Sense and Sensibility in the 90s and then mm-hmm. all the Harry Potter stuff. And it's just, he, most actors would kill to A, get a role and B, perform it that perfectly just one time in their lives and, and become an iconic performance, but he's done it over and over again. Yeah. And to have a voice like that is, uh, is a help too. I mean, it's, it's one of the most recognizable voices there is. And, uh, the delivery was that the delivery, the voice and the yeah, delivery, the delivery, whole, the I, goobrious thing. Yeah. It's hard for me not to laugh every single time. Uh, in Die Hard, where he's like, I read the article in Forbes, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it just it kills me every single time. He's, he delivers it with such just you know uh, malice and and humor and, and all at once. Um, and uh, so yeah, it, he obviously Die Hard is amazing. I was, was talking, uh, I think on I, I wrote on Facebook the the one that I keep coming back to is Sense and Sensibility, and and Galaxy Quest is obviously I love Galaxy. Quest quest too but sense and sensibility was one of those where i had known alan rickman only as a villain uh Mm. up until this point and when he was in sense and sensibility and he's he's just the he's the quiet colonel brandon uh he's uh he's got this unrequited love with the kate winslet character and all this uh he everything that he does is done with class and like uh but a tinge of sadness all the way through it and uh, I had never seen Alan Rickman like that before, um, and I thought I thought he's amazing in that. Well, and that's what makes him perfect for Snape, right? Is that he is able to play villain and able to play that kind of a sense and sensibility, you know, sadness, and then mash the two of them together in Snape and kind of keep you wondering for quite a while, unless of course you read the books ahead of time, which I did not. Right. <clears throat> And yeah, I mean, that you're absolutely right. It's sort of a blend of all that, isn't it? He's got that same unrequited love from Sense and Sensibility just mashed in with a possible Hans Gruber, (laughs) you know, type of thing, Uh, you know, and uh, and yeah, it works out perfectly uh, by the time you, you know, get to all the reveals of that movie. If you close your eyes, you can hear you can hear Snape saying, shoot the glass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um but uh i think i think he was uh you know galaxy quest i think he was perfectly cast in that it's just so um you know a guy who is an actor who is above all of this and he's having to he's having to he's having to do this type of role where he's you know basically spock is what he is um, you know, and this is, this is beneath him. He's done a lot of stuff in theater and all that. Um, so I, galaxy quest, he's so funny playing that role. Well, he anchors that movie. I think everyone is pretty well cast and everyone is pretty funny in that movie, but I think it's his performance that really holds the whole thing together because of all the stuff you just said, because you can really buy him as that kind of an actor, uh, and just his whole disdain for everything. Um, it's a perfect mesh. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, we've used him in outtakes more than enough times, I think, uh, through Galaxy Quest. Oh, in I fact, th- if people who watch regularly don't know we love Galaxy Quest, they're not paying attention to the outtakes. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies that we've used more than ten times at least in outtakes. Yeah, 
so yeah, that was uh, that's that's Rickman and Bowie. Um, you know, they they uh, both died in the same week. It's a horrible week. Uh, you know, for if you just like <laughs> entertainment in general. Um, so um, that will lead into um, our Force Awakens discussion. Uh, we uh, we will talk at great length about that. We have some spoiler, we have some non-spoiler stuff, and we have some spoiler stuff. So uh, stay tuned and on to that. We should talk about Star Wars. We should talk about Star Wars. And uh, obviously the movie is of uh, this recording has made, uh, I think it's $300 billion, $1,000. <laughs> I went, I, went, I went down, I went down on that. What started a billion, then went down thousand to a hundred. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, uh, obviously, uh, an extremely popular movie. Now, uh, um, what are we, are we going to say how, what we thought about it first, or do you want to kind of go into some other stuff? I think we should say what we thought about it. All right. So, uh, I really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice. This is spoiler free starting off and then we'll we'll let you know when to Yeah. Um uh, it, I've seen I've seen it twice. I saw it uh when it opened uh within the first 4 days. I saw it twice. That's exactly what I did with Phantom Menace, by Ooh. the way. Ooh. You believe that I did that? Mm. Uh I think Phantom Menace, you're the first time you ever watched that, you were in denial. Yes. And yes, you absolutely. you said, "Oh, well that was good. <laughs> that was a good movie." <laughs> And, it had and lightsabers. Yeah. I remember some things happening that were awesome. Midi-chlorians. Yeah. yeah. And you, you sort of remember, you know, uh, if you're like, if you're hanging on to the Phantom Menace when you first watch it, you're like, oh, that Darth Maul thing was good. The pod mm-hmm. racer thing was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then you realize the pod racer thing is like five hours or something it's like that. It's a long It takes race. forever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then I watched it the second night and I was like, oh, I don't know about this movie. <laughs> Maybe I should see the other two, and then maybe this one will be better after that. <laughs> More uh, politics. Yeah, I I do think that this one um, is it's I I highly enjoy it. I think it's back to Star Wars. This is exactly what we've been wanting to see out of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, the one thing that's going to kind of hit it a little bit is just the fact that it's a New Hope all over again. Yes, it is. And um. And yeah, and a lot of people don't care about that because finally we're seeing a Star Wars that doesn't have nothing but CGI in it, mm. and, and there's an actual like decent story, and there's characters that I care about, and all these different things. I think Daisy Ridley is awesome. She's the best thing about the movie, man. Mm, yeah, um, I love her. Um, the the now I'm kind of mixed on Adam Driver a little bit. Really? Um, first off, I think he's great. Now I think he's great in his role. The problem is, is that he is just well enough, well, well known enough to me that when he pulled off his mask. <laughs> yeah, that kind of pulls you out of it. I yeah. was like, it's the guy from Girls. Yeah, I'm go. thinking about all these different things <laughs> yeah. that he did in Girls while it's while he did this. And it's that, not that far away, though, because he's that petulant asshole character that can then play this petulant asshole you know, super villain. Certainly, but I also can't imagine him banging uh, Lena Dunham in the at a New York apartment and doing all these crazy sex things either. Like that's yeah. what immediately went into my head when he pulled this <laughs> mask off. And um, so, while I think he's great, there's also that weird like if it had been an unknown, it would have been it would have pulled me out less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I think I think that'll I think over time I'll get over that. That's more of a me thing than it is a. Well, movie I was gonna thing. say I think to the to people who don't watch girls, he is an unknown. Like I don't I don't watch girls. I have only seen him in This Is Where I Leave You, that Jason mm. Bateman movie. Um, and so it, I didn't have that same reaction. And for me, if he felt a lot more like John Boyega and Daisy Ridley did, like, like new faces to me that I I didn't have baggage for. Um, so it may just be a you thing. Was oh, I, I else? readily admit that it's probably a, a me thing on Adam Driver, but... Um, Who, and Daisy Ridley? Yeah, has she been in anything she's else? Been, I looked at her IMDb after the movie. She's been in a handful of things. Nothing, like, major. It looked like some TV shows and some mm. indep- independent films. Um, and then John Boyega, the only thing I know him from is the, uh, Alien... Attack, 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 Attack the Block. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I love all the new people in this. I, yeah. uh, Oscar Isaac, of course, he's had a, already had a great career leading up to this, and 
And uh, and I think he can do anything at this point. I, I really enjoy him. He had a good him. year. He had a good 2015. Yeah, exactly. Between Ex Machina and uh, Star Wars. And he's going to be in Apocalypse next year, X-Men yeah. movie. So I think his great, great year is going to turn into two. Yeah. Where do you stand on the, the Poe character? Because he got a little divisive. Like, people, you know, all right, it could take him to leave. I just him, feel but... like he's being set up to do more later. Yeah. And and we're going to do some spoiler talk later, but he gets a, a little 30-second action moment in the movie that's one of the most thrilling things in the entire yes, film for absolutely. me. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I don't, I don't personally get that. Yeah. I, I felt like the movie is, well, it's Daisy Ridley's movie. It's yeah. Ray. And then Finn is the second main character. And Poe is probably going to have something important to do in the next two movies, I would guess. Yeah. Well, and he's also set up. I don't think this is too spoilery. Um, I'll just say that it might be spoilery. So if anybody wants to, you know. Skip ahead 10 seconds. Yeah. So. Um, he, he It starts off with him obviously knowing some people who are associated with the force. Yeah. And, and that's where the plot is driven from this movie is the, you know. Uh, the the secret map that goes into the new BB-8, you know, which is uh, awesome. Which is awesome, yeah. Um, and uh, so he and you know that and that's uh, Max von Sydow, yeah. who's you know it's like you don't put Max von Sydow in your movie unless he's somebody important. Now we don't know who that guy really is yet. We need his origin story. Yeah. So um, uh, he I, he's definitely got more to him than when we saw in this first movie. Yeah. Um. I was disappointed with the underuse of the guys from the raid and the raid two. Oh yeah, right. They what were, a tease! They, they were the the bounty hunter dudes on the Falcon with the slobbery oh, fish. Oh right, creature. right, right, right. Yeah. And I read an article that said there was probably a lot more to that scene that involved combat. Oh, they cut it, and it ended up being cut. Otherwise, oh, why wow. would you even hire those guys? Yeah. Put them in crazy outfits, and then basically Ready have them brawl. shout yeah, some yeah. lines. I mean, <laughs> when I read they were cast, I was like, "They're gonna play Jedi!" Like, awesome. you imagine the two guys in the kitchen from the Raid Two doing a lightsaber <laughs> oh, my fight. God. I mean, oh yeah, I can get a yeah. boner just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What else can we say that's not spoiler? I actually thought the old cast was fine, but it. I, I, the movie for me belongs to the the new cast. Yeah, Both, they they did a better job, and it's more about them. The first half of the movie, I was not sold on Harrison Ford. The second half, he's full on Han Solo, and I was sold. But Carrie Fisher, I love, but she's—I don't think she has any reason to be in this movie. No, and yeah. She doesn't really have anything to no, do. Was, like, she doesn't totally look terribly knows. excited to be there. She either. almost <laughs> looks grumpy. Yeah, the uh, the she's the, had a rough thirty years. And <laughs> it's, I mean, come on, and it's pretty it's obvious the first uh, the first order and all that. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious that they're back in it because now we're finally telling a story past Episode Six. And we need to put them in there to tell people that, hey, this is old Star Wars back and everything like that. Um, and I, I'm, yeah, I, 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 they're, they're needed for that reason. But yeah, most of the time when I would see them on screen, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Can I ask you this? Can we retire C-3PO? And R2. BB-8 is all we need. Yeah, he's good. He's what R2 wanted to be. I loved yeah. R2 up until the time I saw this movie. And, yeah. and when, when BB-8 rolls up, I don't even know if he's there at the moment, but when they walk up and see R2-D2 and C-3PO, I was disappointed. Yeah, right? Yeah. They And then, of course, R2, or C-3PO has to make his jokes. I yeah. remember in the first movie, A New Hope, uh, C-3PO being annoying, but he wasn't to the point of... I can't bear this yeah. right now. Uh, as those movies got, even in Empire and all that, as those movies kept going, it was like, oh, well, people like C-3PO because he was annoying, so let's make him even more annoying. And, you know, and so he, he's just, now he now he says stuff just to say stuff. And I I, I didn't like, um, what was it? In, in the old one, I'm trying to think of the old trilogy where he just pipes up from out of nowhere. He's just not needed. He's just oh, yeah. not needed in yeah. the movie. And uh, and in this one, he's he just pop, and it literally pops into the screen, <laughs> you know. And he's like, oh, you know. And he starts talking, and, he, and you didn't even see him walk out of the the ship or whatever. He just comes out of nowhere. Well, he had the audience like applaud at least the ones that where I went to applaud when the old characters would come on, like Han and Chewie. And I'm very happy my audience did not do that bullshit. Oh really? Yeah. Well, they nobody cheered when C three PO popped his 
stupid head in. Of course not. Because like, yeah. even if they won't admit it, they know deep down he's useless. Yes. Yes. And now we're going to have all. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're going to have three droids for the rest of the, this trilogy. How much yeah. you want? I mean, how much you want to bet R two is going to be really important? Yeah. Yeah. I bet he he has to be. Yeah. He will be. Yeah. It's, it's sad because BB eight is such a success. He's so good. It, everything they set him out to be. But if you're going to bring back all the old characters, you uh, you have to put in R two D two and you have yeah. to put in C three PO. But and, can't they just be in a window waving at us? But you know what? You know what? It's, yeah, they can. <laughs> I just spotted R two. I got a I got a okay, geek moment. Now let's move on. Oh, yeah, everybody everybody is excited that he's there, and then R2 they move. Actually on. waving. <laughs> his yeah. arm is broken. Like yeah, waving one of his legs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it seems like they could just have a you know him on the side or something, or you know, and just, oh there he is, and move on. Whereas of course in Phantom Menace, they have to make a huge oh, deal about R two D two, like. Like what's his what's his number? Like the queen has a has any time for uh, recognizing droids? I want to know specifically who this is. That's right. You know, it's like it's like, and, and the guy is like R two D two. Like you're like yeah. Well, and supposedly there's like billions of these droids around the universe. Like yeah. he's there's the only thing that makes him unique is his behavior. But just looking at him, like why would you? It's like. I want to recognize this one stormtrooper who fired his gun well. Coming forward, F thirty eight twenty nine B. So, do we want to get into the spoilery? Spoilers. Spoiler. So, we're at the spoilery part of this. So, we were talking about the old cast. You know the 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 fact that. Um, I think this is something that we might see with a lot of these old characters. Um, Harrison Ford uh, is Han Solo, who is just happens to be Kylo Ren's father mm. in this. Um, the uh, there's a big scene on this, uh, like all Star Wars seem to have to have this bridge that's in the middle of like this vast. <laughs> You know, dome like dangerous thing. bridge, right? Why it's would you ever twenty foot long? <laughs> yeah, why would you ever build this? <laughs> why would you ever build this? Um, How else are you going to cross that enormous chasm exactly. that is bottomless? Yeah, and you think we're we're you know it's a galaxy along uh, far far away, but it, they've got technology that beats us in twenty fifteen. I think they'd have like you know like one of those airport airport you know move you along faster yeah. escalator. Yeah, we don't have to. Things. Wander or, up to your son, yeah, or yeah. just, or just, or just be able to get there via elevator or something like that instead of this, yeah, long bridge, which is obviously built in case you have family drama and you need to kill one of your mm-hmm. your, your kids. Where else are you going to throw him? Um, so yeah, exactly. Where are you going to throw him? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Kylo Ren is uh, is Han Solo's son. That was uh, pretty early in the movie. They make that known, right? Yes. Yeah, like yeah. Within the first fifteen minutes, or it's so. when it's when. Uh, the uh, Kylo Ren and the the Hitler guy yeah. are all talking to the hologram, <laughs> whoever his name is. I can't remember his name. Um, and Donald Gleason. And, and uh, he's like, Max he's Mancito. like, yeah, Max Mancito. <laughs> and uh, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, your your father is the one piloting the Millennium Falcon, you know. And it's like, oh, okay. So Kylo Ren is actually all right. Yeah, you you get that realization early on, and Kylo Ren kills Han Solo. Now, this is something that was rumored to happen way back in Return of the Jedi yeah. that Harrison Ford wanted to do. Um, and uh, it happens here, and I think we're going to start seeing that with all the other old guard, too. Every movie's going to have an old guard killed off. Well, yeah. I really, I mean, I, I mean, if you see Luke Skywalker at the end of this movie, that guy's ready to die. I wished I hadn't seen him at the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't want to get that far. Yeah. I want to talk about the Han Solo death scene some, because I think the bridge, the set piece itself, like shows its hand to the audience. Oh yeah, and the way the dialogue plays out is so rushed that there's absolutely no way Kylo Ren can really be having a change of heart right now. And I I can't help but feel like if it had been set different and if they had let that breathe a little bit, I might have actually not known what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. The, that that was the biggest problem for me was and they make this big theatrical, you know. Um, Thing with the holding out the lightsaber and and, and you know will him, you help me yeah will you help me and all this other type of stuff and I'm like okay when is it that he's gonna run Han through with this lightsaber that's what like, I was is that heavy handed like with the sun going down and everything you know the darkness taking over the light and all that bullshit 
You know what I'm talking about? Was there a shot of a sun going down right yes. then? Yes, yes, absolutely. The, the oh yeah, the, yeah, the shade the, was the, coming the, through they the, were, the well, they were, portal. Yeah. Well, they were. Well, uh, they were. They were getting the energy from the sun for that weapon. Right. That. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, it's the same thing. It yeah. happens right when the sun goes away, yeah. and they're charging this new Death Star, basically. Right. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure that was on purpose. Just, like, all oh, the light is gone. Yeah, all right. It's all darkness. We, we got it. Just, just yeah. go. Uh, the the chewy reaction to the death is awesome because yeah. it's just like what it was when he gives him the carbonite. Yeah. And all that. yeah. Um, uh, I, really, I even liked Leia reacting from planets away and just kind of turning, and you just see in her face she knows what just happened. Although <laughs> that that particular moment, I'm I was I don't I don't know if this. This probably didn't upset you as much as it upset me. We put it in the prequel uh, sin videos, but I got tired of seeing Yoda like, <gasps> I'm upset. <laughs> Somebody died and all that. And I'm like, like if you were the master that we've been told you are, you would have figured this out like in five minutes and you should have been able to stop some of it, if yeah. not all of it. I would have been fine with you stopping some of it. But like so many times we see Yoda going, you know, clutching his heart and like, oh my God, something bad happened and everything. So when I saw Leia do that, I was like, oh my God, here we are again. Uh, yeah. Leia, Leia's feeling so. By the way, we're now on Leia. Leia should know the Force by now, right? Well, I think they're going to come up with some reason why she does. She, she does clearly because she knows her husband died. But you're you're saying she should have been trained as a Jedi. She should have been a badass. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's disappointing to me that she does not appear to be a wielder of the Force. Right at the end of Return of the Jedi, Luke's like, "You're going to learn the ways of the Force and all this other stuff." And maybe she does. Maybe maybe. She's like, you know what? No, I really kind of like this Han Solo fellow. We're going to marry him, and I'm going to marry him, and I'm not going to worry about the Force or whatever. You're good while you're alive or whatever. <laughs> but but it seems like to me if if Luke is perceived as the final Jedi that's on on the you know in the universe, they would have she should really try to just as a precaution. A yeah, and that was the whole big deal with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Like that was that boy's our last hope. No, there is another. Um, is that if Luke ever dies, Leia could take over. And it seems like in this movie, she hasn't had that training. She hasn't, I mean, maybe she has some sort of like, you know, I mean, she even had that in the original trilogy where she like kind of felt like Luke was still alive yeah. and all. So she just feels of, though. She's a recipient. She's a carrier though. Right. She's like a it, receiver, but not a sender. Exactly. Yeah. She's like, she's oh. a, it's like if you have a virus that, that's dormant, but you can pass the flu on to somebody else. Like she's, maybe she's just a carrier because she's, the daughter and the mother of two of the most powerful Jedi of all time. She's a squib in Harry Potter terms. Yes, she's a she's squib. A squib. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she was born of magical parents, but not magic. Herself. Yes. Yeah. Um. But uh. But no, I I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. That she can just I'll feel some things and then she can't do anything else with the Force. Um. So I I was really disappointed in that. Who knows? Maybe they did write something like that. And Maybe she, it's going to be like Attack of the Clones, and she's going to be like the CGI Yoda that ends up fighting uh, Count Dooku. I like but that. It's going to be CGI Leia. CGI Leia. And she's going to do those crazy flips and lightsaber tricks and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And then ultimately lose track of the villain. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> and then just yeah. disappear. Yeah. Like at the end of, oh, uh, my God. of the set. Yeah, that, that upset me so much. <laughs> I got, fell down. Got knocked over. I fell down. <laughs> I can't find that guy. <laughs> me, I got a boo-boo. Let me, yeah. <laughs> let me do a Shawshank through the, uh, through the, the tube there. Yeah. Yeah. You should have done that as an outtake. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. There's nothing worse than hearing the, the great you outtake we could have done. Crawl through yeah. 15 miles of shit and stink. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would have been perfect. Now we need to do that just yeah. for random. Yeah. Like, just in a random movie, we put that in. Well, here's one we forgot. <laughs> it's in the story of us, the, yeah. the cinema sins, everything wrong with oh, the story yeah. of us. Um,. What else can we say spoilery about this? Well, who's who is the hologram guy again? He's he's that Snoke. Snoke. Yeah, that's I keep forgetting that name because it's so come on Circus. That's what I call him, Andy Circus. Yes, Andy Circus plays. That did Snoke. not look good. Did that look good to it you? Didn't it didn't look. look great. It didn't yeah, look good. It wasn't good. It was but way out but of, all I know it was a hologram. But anything, yeah, but. and and holograms always look crappy in these things. Man, I don't understand it. If in the future we're going to be using holograms, I've always said this. Um, we're going to have better holograms this right yeah. the stuff that you like and spent and like it's really uh apparent hunger games where you have holograms and you can see stuff behind it yeah and, and all that like it's transparent like why would i want to see something 
transparent. I can see all this other stuff behind it. Why would I ever do that? Why would that be my technology? You want a fully formed. Well, and how is this any better, especially in this movie where they walk, they, they only ever talk to Snoke in that one room. It's basically like a chambers or Mm. a, a throne room. Why is that better than using a fucking video screen? Yeah. They're all they're doing is, Exactly. They're just having conversations. That's the same way. And and they go back and forth in all the Star Wars movies between going to screens and then going to holograms. And like, what's the difference? Is this place not equipped for holograms? Is this place, you know, is it one of those type of things? The guy's probably like three feet tall and he wants to project himself as being. Well, there's a lot of speculation about how big he is. Because the hologram's so large. Does that mean he's that size in real life? Does it mean he's trying to make himself look bigger? I'm just saying that the, 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 the CGI and his character is, is almost like Thanos or something like that. It, it's too kind of <laughs> yeah. over over the top. You yeah. know, it's like, just do Josh Brolin and looking kind of like a weird space god. Yeah. Like, we don't need all that crazy, you know, uh, business on his hands and face and all that <laughs> stuff. And yeah. I feel like they, they probably could have done that with Snoke, too. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. But he's going to appear outside of a hologram in one of these next two movies. Yeah. But Andy Serkis said it's not a character you can do with practical effects. Mm. Which I don't understand that, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's he's shrouded in mystery. We don't know everything about him. We do know that he says, uh, "I'm going to have to complete Ry- uh, Kylo Ren's training." Yeah. So Kylo Ren is actually not a complete uh, Sith, or I guess he's no, a- he's not. And let me tell you what what took me completely out of the movie. And I understand this. It's one of those things where like everybody who did their reviews, like as they're coming out, they're like. Well, you know, there's there's some problems with it. There's some holes in it. Most of those were spoiler free, so you didn't know what they were talking about. For, but for me, it was that final fight scene with uh, Ray and Kylo Ren, where all of a sudden she gets all forced, and now she can kick ass. I loved it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it, it's it's that trope of having like the definitely physically overmatched or overskilled or underskilled person just all of a sudden come back and kick the crap out of the, the person that's I get what you're saying, you. and I've he seen that. He just forced her, like, 90 feet up in the air against a tree, but and then all, by the end of it, he's just stabbing wildly. I feel like this movie is clearly saying the Force is stronger than it has ever been. Because this dude isn't even fully trained. He's a whiny baby who thrashes rooms whenever he gets angry, but he can still stop a damn blaster fire that in midair so for five oh minutes, God. and... And then when he walks away, just poof it. Like, he's stronger than Darth Vader mm-hmm. already. We never saw Darth Vader stop blaster shots in midair with no. his hand. And or so my theory is that Ray is able to awaken to the Force faster, both in that scene where he's trying to read her mind and in the lightsaber fight, because the Force is stronger now than it was before, which means Luke might be able to do some amazing shit. Yeah, it's true that I, I, I agree with you that uh, Ray is, is tapping into this... Uh, you know, this force that, you know, she is barely aware of that we are being um, sort of hinted at in the little dream sequence thing that happens when she reaches for Luke's sky, uh, uh, lightsaber. Um, there is this sort of hint that she has been taught this stuff before, but I do. But, and there's also the other thing, and this is going to, this is why this movie is going to be kind of hard to send. And I'm wondering if we're ever going to do it until the trilogy is completely out. Um, there's so much stuff that's unanswered with this stuff, but you know, Kylo Ren is also injured. He's got he's gotten shot, and he's and he's not his. Full, yeah, that's the thing. His, I mean, when he it shows him like sweating when he's you know getting over. Yeah, and he's and and some yeah. people are saying the reason why they see him, you see him pounding his stomach and everything, is because he's trying to get more evil or something like that, which is. <laughs> I thought that was weird to me. I thought it was just that he was hurt. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, oh, you know, like trying to, you know, do that thing you do when you're hurt. You know, you're like, uh, maybe if I apply some sort of pressure to it, it will go away magically. Um, that's what I that's thought. That's evil spot. Yeah, that's right. There's evil <laughs> spots where he draws all of the power. Um, but uh, but that 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 kind of bothered me a little bit that uh, someone who's who can do this, you know, force power thing and, and and stop people from talking and moving yeah. and all this other stuff decides i'm going to try to win this with the lightsaber but there's also the fact that he he feels like he can teach her the ways of the force maybe he doesn't want to kill her that's the whole that's the whole thing there's so many different maybe things he, to that he knows scene. who she is yeah maybe he knows who she is or who her family is but also it's i think an important part of that scene is she she shifts dramatically in her fighting style halfway through that fight and i took it to be 
oh, I should use the force instead of just you treating this like a sword that's electric. And then when she starts attacking him and actually winning, it's a completely different fighting style than what she was using before. Yeah. Um, maybe I just seen what I wanted to see, but... Well, she's a total badass, absolutely. But it, it's just like, oh, yeah, I got the force. Let's do that. And, you know, just given how powerful he's been this entire thing, you may be right. The he's, biggest problem for me just, in that the scene force is, itself is the, powerful. Is what the you're about to say. ex machina ground opening up to end it. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll see you later. Yeah. It's like, it, it what, what, is it about, what is it about riffs in, you know, in movies that it's somebody can, can just be, yes. What is it about riffs in movies where somebody can stand on the exact spot where the ground breaks open? <laughs> And yeah, you know, and it's totally good. It, it never goes like right under them, you know. Like that's you know that's what really should happen. But but yeah, that part where it's like okay, they're not going to kill each other. They're, this is it's just to be continued. Basically, yeah, is exactly. what that rift is. Exactly. Stare wistfully at each other. Yeah. What did you guys? In a rift. What did you guys think of the last scene? I felt like it was unnecessary. Yeah. I would. I think. I don't. I don't feel like as a viewer that scene makes sense in this movie yeah that scene Tacked is on, right? there for the next movie yeah. and it's for a little bit of fan service um i think it would have been cooler if we see her almost like the end of empire we see her and the droids and chewy load up and go off and there's mournful wistful mystery music what will they find we don't know we'll see you next time but now we know right we know yeah. she finds luke she found him two damn seconds um well she had to walk up then Long hill. That I don't know. <laughs> Two seconds. It felt like ten minutes to me. Like that whole hill. thing. I'm just specifically talking about the flight of the spacecraft. From, oh yeah. Oh no, yeah. Princess Princess Leia to the so island. Yeah. Was like, boom. which by the way, uh, it, this whole map to Luke Skywalker thing, which I still don't understand. I've seen it twice. I don't understand. <laughs> like, hey, hey guys, I'm gonna hide out. Here's a place where you can find me. And um and like they also like. You know, they they find that last section, and they're like, "Well, that's where the old Jedi uh, battleground or training grounds were, or whatever." And I'm sitting there going, "If you had all of this, and then there's this one tiny piece that's not there, wouldn't you think maybe? Well, that's that quadrant where that old Jedi training ground is. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe he's there. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that that's the the interesting thing is uh, the from that final scene is that a lot of people are wondering." Is Ray Luke's daughter? Um, I've heard Obi Wan could be uh, her daughter, uh, her like granddaughter or something like that. Like mm. he fooled around when in a time between uh, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. What's he gonna do out there? I mean, he's out Seriously. in Tatooine, right? Seriously, yeah, that's a hub I'd be of like prostitutes around. and he's probably got like half Jawa gamblers. children out there somewhere. Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> half, <laughs> he must Tus- Jawa, half Tuscan Raider. <laughs> yeah, um, the, uh, the the thing that. Because because Daisy Ridley has a British accent, and the even though and somebody was telling me, uh, even though John Boyega is British, he was forced to talk with a not British accent. Wow. So meanwhile, Daisy Ridley, you know, if she's talking with a British accent, could that mean that Obi Wan is a, one of her, you know, uh, ancestors? And she even um, did his line, right? And the, and there's a part where Ewan McGregor uh, has a, a a voice thing where he comes in and they combine it with Alec Guinness, and she's remembering this type of thing why would she remember that type of thing you know like and the jedi mind trick she uses the jedi mind trick which we've never seen anybody use besides yeah uh, well i guess luke and uh, well really obi-wan who uses it in the two different trilogies and they're and both times luke and and, uh return of the jedi though at the beginning when he's going oh yeah well the the job yeah Yeah. the 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 guy with like the snake uh scarf or whatever his name is um, in the uh, <laughs> he's got gooey he's duck hair. Yeah, looks like gooey ducks. <laughs> That's right. Um, but the thing that I think it would be interesting if if Obi Wan uh, uh, was uh, an ancestor of hers. Uh, one thing that was speculated in uh, the prequel trilogy is that you know was was it would maybe Obi Wan be involved with Padme in some fashion. And I remember I actually wrote something and ended up cutting it, but now I'm kind of like regretting cutting it because it's one of those things that if this turns out to be true, it's going to be, it would have been an amazing sin, but Mm. there's a part in there where Anakin goes to Padme and the, and uh, she goes, well, Obi-Wan was here. And he's like, why was Obi-Wan here? And I'm sitting there thinking, why was Obi-Wan here? (laughs) And she goes, oh, well he was worried about you. And I was like, 
why is he going to you about Anakin if he's worried about you? And I was like, maybe they have been having sex this whole time, you know, and what it would be. And there, you know, and Obi-Wan, even though you can take it as, you know, he's just upset that Anakin, um, you know, had a relationship and it resulted in twins. He's like, he's like the, the, the kids are, the kids are Anakin's, aren't they? You know, he's, uh, he, he looks almost upset in a way. And, uh, and so like, if you, if you like sort of, if you like put it in now, now, believe me, if this theory were true, that would mean that Darth Vader, I am your father is not a true yeah. thing. And that would ruin the whole like empire strikes back and, uh, and all that. But it Got was an interesting thing. It was an interesting thing to think about during this whole thing. But yeah, I would, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a big deal if Obi-Wan was somehow had a secret mistress. Well, and- I like I'm, I got people giving me shit on my review, like, don't you know Jedi can come from anywhere? They don't have to be a certain race. They're just strong in the Force. Because I speculate in the video about whether or not Rey might be Luke's daughter, which would be cool to me. But as we just talked earlier, the end of the end of Empire pretty clearly tells us Luke and Leia are all. That's it. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. If there were some little Jawa Jedi out there that was capable, Yoda would have sensed him, right? They wouldn't be so desperate saying, this is the last freaking right, one. Right, exactly. And and so, in my mind, both Kylo Ren and Rey have to come from either Luke or Leia, or Obi-Wan, if there's some new revelation about him fooling around on the side. Yeah. I kind of think would be sweet. Yeah. Um, but it's not, I mean... I guess I'm talking now to the viewers who are criticizing my video instead of you guys. So po- podcast becomes interesting that way. <laughs> Let's move on. Well, and then the final uh, other possible uh, uh, parentage here is Han and Leia themselves. Um, that you know, if if they if they were twins at the beginning of this, and you know, you know this as well. If you had, if you're a part, if you were a twin, you have a very good chance of fathering twins. Yeah. Um, and if you're, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, if there was a possibility that they were born in a, you know, such or such a way and Kylo was, who was named Ben apparently after, after Obi-Wan or yeah, whatever. Cause Obi-Wan meant so much to Han. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, uh, if he goes off early on as a, as a, you know, training for Jedi stuff and she's left behind and everything, they may not really know each other. But then Han and Leia don't recognize her either, or they don't. Well, they wouldn't. Her. They wouldn't because they've left at this point. Like if it's a, getting to the point though, is if Kylo Ren is starting to become evil, maybe they say we need to drop her off on some other planet so that he doesn't know about her. Just kind of like the Darth Vader yep. not knowing yep. about Luke or Leia. Um, so th- there's that possibility too. Although it's not, I don't think it's likely, but it is one of those things that it's possible. Yeah, it's not totally out of the realm if some sort of thing happened during their childhood that separated them in some way mm. that would you know especially when he's like i can teach you the ways of the force you know all this other type yep. of stuff you know there's there's definitely a chance there's an outside chance that they could be twins you're saying there's a chance <laughs> there's a chance okay so do we need to talk anything else about star wars best scene of the movie my my absolute favorite scene i think you were talking about it before was the the tracking shot of of poe Taking those yeah, ships out—that's what I was that referring was absolutely, to. Absolutely, it was amazing. That was fantastic. I would say I talked a lot about the Ray Ren lightsaber fight. That's probably my favorite scene mm. overall. But I, the one I want to see right now, next time I walk in to see that movie, is when the the bottom gun breaks and it's oh stuck forward. Yeah. Yeah. And and he tells her, and she starts flying weird. And in my mind, she's just trying to shake him now. I, it doesn't even cross my mind yeah. that she's going to angle the ship in such a way where he'll be able to use that gun again. Um, and it just blew my mind. It was thrilling as yeah, hell. Terrific. <clears throat> well, she does kind of signal it, I think, when she says, hey, let me try something, hang on. Mm-hmm. And and then she starts flying through that ship and everything. I think she's trying to get it. I mean, it's not immediately obvious or anything. But I always thought that's what she was trying to oh, do, okay. was to try to get to that I thought point. she was just trying to get the TIE fighter to crash when she went into that ship, like, flying tight. But, yeah, and they, mm-hmm. and for all I know, the movie was trying to get to that point, but it was trying to get you to believe that so that it would you know, be a surprise when it actually did work out. Although I was wondering why she didn't just tell him to go to the other gun. Yeah. Because... Remember when no, we they, Luke well, and Han? Well, they may not know that there is another gun. Remember, they just got that's into true, it. That's true. 
Um, the the I think the scene for me, and it's and this is this is I mean this is really. I mean, I, I guess as a cinema sins viewer or whatever would be something where I'm like, oh come on, that type. <laughs> I would be go oh, come on as a cinema sins person, but as a just a regular viewer just enjoying the movie. Uh, Kylo Ren is trying to get Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and he's trying to use the force to get it. And then it comes out of the snow and it goes into Ray's hand. That is That's, to me is just, is just yeah. an amazing, the way they did it. Like, uh, I, that whole, like it seems like to me and I, I, I like this scene too. I like that fight scene too, but I also like the fact when she gets up, like you can see this blurry lightsaber battle, like as she gets up, like mm. it's the angle is all like, what's going on, and uh, and and you you're kind of faintly aware that she's waking up, but then they go off to more fighting and fighting and fighting, and so when that that scene comes up, you've kind of forgotten Ray has gotten up from that thing, yeah, and so when it, it flies out into her hand, and then she's like, you know, pull turns it on, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to see in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Alright, alright, so Star Wars. Star Wars, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Cinema on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Ah, Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! Give me the Star Audiobook? If I do an audiobook, I'm going to build a home studio and do it at my own, or, my own leisure. Or hire somebody to do it, <laughs> which is like... If well, I think the thinking was people would want to hear my voice reading it. Yeah. I'd rather hear Kenneth Branagh. Are we already rolling? Yes. Uh, great. <laughs> or Bruce Willis. Every yeah. segment is going to start with Kenneth Branagh talk. <laughs> and or Bruce Willis. And or Bruce Willis. What's Were they seg- ever in a movie together? Uh, I was trying to think that. I was trying to wrap my brain. Been. They have to have had. Yes. Have to. They're at least one Kevin Bacon away from each other. Yeah, or John at least. Hamm. At least. Or John. What? John Hamm. Or John Hamm. Wasn't that an idea? The Was it John Hamm? Yeah, it was the Hamm and Bacon idea. Uh, <laughs> that's right. We, I had this idea that one segment could be, I'm telling the listeners, by the way, that one of our segment could be like a modern Kevin Bacon game, only you play it with John Hamm instead of Kevin Bacon, because Hamm and Bacon are both pork. It may still happen, but I'm just going to giggle about it for a while. <laughs> So many Cubs games ended in pregnancies. I'm going to record some of it. Oh. <laughs>